Chapter Six of Desperate Remedies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shi Pingling. Desperate Remedies by Thomas Hardy. Chapter Seven The Events of Eighteen Days. One August the seventeenth. The time of day was four o'clock in the afternoon. The place was the lady's study or boudoir, Knapwater House. The person was Miss Aldercliffe, sitting there alone, clothed in deep mourning. The funeral of the old captain had taken place, and his will had been read. It was very concise, and had been executed about five years previous to his death. It was attested by his solicitors, Messrs. Nittleton and Tayling, of Lincoln's Inn Fields. The whole of his estate, real and personal, was bequeathed to his daughter, Cytheria, for her sole and absolute use, subject only to the payment of a legacy to the rector, their relative, and a few small amounts to the servants. Miss Aldercliffe had not chosen the easiest chair of her boudoir to sit in, or even a chair of ordinary comfort, but an uncomfortable, high, narrow-backed, oak-framed and seated chair, which was allowed to remain in the room only on the ground of being a companion in artistic quaintness to an old coffer beside it and was never used except to stand in to reach for a book from the highest row of shelves but she had sat erect in this chair for more than an hour for the reason that she was utterly unconscious of what her actions and bodily feelings were the chair had stood nearest her path on entering the room and she had gone to it in a dream she sat in the attitude which denotes unflagging intense concentrated thought as if she were cast in bronze her feet were together her body bent a little forward and quite unsupported by the back of the chair her hands on her knees her eyes fixed intently on the corner of the footstool at last she moved and tapped her fingers upon the table at her side her pent-up ideas had finally found some channel to advancing motions became more and more frequent as she labored to carry further and further the problem which occupied her brain she sat back and drew a long breath she sat sideways and leaned her forehead upon her hand later still she arose walked up and down the room at first abstractedly with her features as firmly set as ever but by degrees her brow relaxed her footsteps became lighter and more leisurely her head rode gracefully and was no longer bowed she plumed herself like a swan after exertion yes she said aloud to get him here without letting him know that i have any other object than that of getting a useful man that's the difficulty and that I think I can master. She ran for the new maid, a placid woman of forty with a few gray hairs. Ask Miss Grayer if she can come to me. Cytheria was not far off and came in. 
do you know anything about architects and surveyors said miss aldercliffe abruptly know anything replied cytheria poising herself on her toe to consider the compass of the question yes know anything said miss aldercliffe owen is an architect and surveyor's draughtsman the maiden said and thought of somebody else who was likewise yes that's why i asked you what are the different kinds of work comprised in an architect's practice they lay out estates and superintend the various works done upon them i should think among other things those are more properly a land or building steward's duties at least i have always imagined it so country architects include those things in their practice city architects don't i know that child but a steward's it's an indefinite fast and loose profession it seems to me shouldn't you think that a man who had been brought up as an architect would do for a steward cytheria had doubts whether an architect pure would do the chief pleasure connected with asking an opinion lies in not adopting it miss aldercliffe replied decisively nonsense of course he would your brother owen makes plans for country buildings such as cottages stables homesteads and so on yes he does and superintends the building of them yes he will soon and he surveys land oh yes and he knows about hedges and ditches how wide they ought to be boundaries leveling planting trees to keep away the winds measuring timber houses for ninety-nine years and such things i have never heard him say that but i think mr gradfield does those things owen i am afraid is inexperienced as yet yes your brother is not old enough for such a post yet of course and then there are rent days the audit and winding up of tradesmen's accounts i am afraid cytheria you don't know much more about the matter than i do myself i am going out just now she continued i shall not want you to walk with me to-day run away till dinner-time miss aldercliffe went out of doors and down the steps to the lawn then turning to the left through a shrubbery she opened a wicket and passed into a neglected and leafy carriage drive leading down the hill this she followed till she reached the point of its greatest depression which was also the lowest ground in the whole grove the trees here were so interlaced and hung their branches so near the ground that a whole summer's day was scarcely long enough to change the air pervading the spot from its normal state of coolness to even a temporary warmth the unvarying freshness was helped by the nearest of the ground to the level of the springs and by the presence of a deep sluggish stream close by equally well shaded by bushes and a high wall following the road which now ran along at the margin of the stream she came to an opening in the wall on the other side of the water revealing a large rectangular nook from which the stream proceeded covered with froth and accompanied by a dull roar two more steps and she was opposite the nook in full view of the cascade forming its further boundary 
over the top could be seen the bright outer sky in the form of a crescent caused by the curve of a bridge across the rapids and the trees above beautiful as was the scene she did not look in that direction the same standing ground afforded another prospect straight in the front less sombre than the water on the right or the trees all around the avenue and grove which flanked it abruptly terminated a few yards ahead where the ground began to rise and on the remote edge of the greensward thus laid open stood all that remained of the original manor-house to which the dark margin line of the trees in the avenue formed an adequate and well-fitting frame it was the picture thus presented that was now interesting miss aldercliffe not artistically or historically but practically as regarded its fitness for adaptation to modern requirements in front detached from everything else rose the most ancient portion of the structure an old arched gateway flanked by the bases of two small towers and nearly covered with creepers which had clambered over the eaves of the sinking roof and up the gable to the crest of the aldercliffe family perched on the apex behind this at a distance of ten or twenty yards came the only portion of the main building that still existed an elizabethan fragment consisting of as much as could be contained under three gables in a cross roof behind against the wall could be seen ragged lines indicating the form of other destroyed gables which had once joined it there the mullioned and transomed windows containing five or six lights were mostly bricked up to the extent of two or three and the remaining portion fitted with cottage window frames carelessly inserted to suit the purpose to which the old place was now applied it being partitioned out into small rooms downstairs to form cottages for two labourers and their families the upper portion was arranged as a storehouse for diverse kinds of roots and fruit the owner of the picturesque spot after her survey from this point went up to the walls and walked into the old court where the paving stones were pushed sideways and upwards by the thrusts of the grasses between them two or three little children with their fingers in their mouths came out to look at her and then ran in to tell their mothers in loud tones of secrecy that miss aldercliffe was coming miss aldercliffe however did not come in she concluded her survey of the exterior by making a complete circuit of the building then turned into a nook a short distance off where round and square timber a saw-pit planks grindstones heaps of building stone and brick explained that the spot was the centre of operations for the building work done on the estate she paused and looked around a man who had seen her from the window of the workshops behind came out and respectfully lifted his hat to her it was the first time she had been seen walking outside the house since her father's death struden could the old house be made a decent residence of without much trouble she inquired the mechanic considered and spoke as each consideration completed itself you don't forget ma'am 
that two-thirds of the place is already pulled down or gone to ruin yes i know and that what's left may almost as well be ma'am why may it twas so cut up inside when they made it into cottages that the whole carcass is full of cracks still by pulling down the inserted partitions and adding a little outside it could be made to answer the purpose of an ordinary six or eight roomed house yes ma'am about what would it cost was the question which had invariably come next in every communication of this kind to which the superintendent workman had been a party during his whole experience to his surprise miss aldercliffe did not put it the man thought her object in altering an old house must have been an unusually absorbing one not to prompt what was so instinctive in owners as hardly to require any prompting at all thank you that's sufficient struden she said you will understand that it is not unlikely some alteration may be made here in a short time with reference to the management of the affairs struden said yes in a complex voice and looked uneasy during the life of captain aldercliffe with you as the foreman of works and he himself as his own steward everything worked well but now it may be necessary to have a steward whose management will encroach further upon things which have hitherto been left in your hands than did your late masters what i mean is that he will directly and in detail superintend all then i shall not be wanted ma'am he faltered oh yes if you like to stay on as foreman in the yard and workshops only i should be sorry to lose you however you had better consider i will send for you in a few days leaving him to suspense and all the ills that came in his train distracted application to his duties and an undefined number of sleepless nights and untasted dinners miss aldercliffe looked at her watch and returned to the house she was about to keep an appointment with her solicitor mr nyttleton who had been to budmouth and was coming to knapwater on his way back to london two august the twentieth on the saturday subsequent to mr nyttleton's visit to knapwater house the subjoined advertisement appeared in the field and the builder newspapers land steward a gentleman of integrity and professional skill is required immediately for the management of an estate containing about a thousand acres upon which agricultural improvements and the erection of buildings are contemplated he must be a man of superior education unmarried and not more than thirty years of age considerable preference will be shown for one who possesses an artistic as well as a practical knowledge of planning and laying out the remuneration will consist of a salary of two hundred twenty pounds with the old manor house as a residence address messrs nyttleton and tailing solicitors lincoln's inn fields a copy of each paper was sent to miss aldercliffe on the day of publication the same evening she told cytheria that she was advertising for a steward who would live at the old manor house showing her the papers containing the announcement 
what was the drift of that remark thought the maiden or was it merely made to her in confidential intercourse as other arrangements were told her daily yet it seemed to have more meaning than common she remembered the conversation about architects and surveyors and her brother owen miss aldercliffe knew that his situation was precarious that he was well educated and practical and was applying himself heart and soul to the details of the profession and all connected with it miss aldercliffe might be ready to take him if he could compete successfully with others who would reply she hazarded a question would it be desirable for owen to answer it not at all said miss aldercliffe peremptorily a flat answer of this kind had ceased to alarm cesaria miss aldercliffe's blunt mood was not her worst cesaria thought of another man whose name in spite of resolves tears renunciations and injured pride lingered in her ears like an old familiar strain that man was qualified for stewardship under a king would it be of any use if edward springrove were to answer it she said resolutely enunciating the name none whatever replied miss aldercliffe again in the same decided tone you are very unkind to speak in that way now don't pout like a goosey as you are i don't want men like either of them for of course i must look to the good of the estate rather than to that of any individual the men i want must have been more specially educated i have told you that we are going to london next week it is mostly on this account cytheria found that she had mistaken the drift of miss aldercliffe's peculiar explicitness on the subject of advertising and wrote to tell her brother that if he saw the notice it would be useless to reply three august the twenty fifth five days after the above-mentioned dialogue took place they went to london and with scarcely a minute's pause to the solicitor's offices in lincoln's inn fields they alighted opposite one of the characteristic entrances about the place a gate which was never and could never be closed flanked by lamp standards carrying no lamp rust was the only active agent to be seen there at this time of the day and year the palings along the front were rusted away at their base to the thinness of wires and the successive coats of paint with which they were overlaid in bygone days had been completely undermined by the same insidious canker which lifted off the paint in flakes leaving the raw surface of the iron on palings standards and gate hinges of a staring blood-red but once inside the railings the picture changed the court and offices were a complete contrast to the grand ruin of the outwork which enclosed them well-painted respectability extended over within and around the doorstep and in the carefully swept yard not a particle of dust was visible mr nyttleton who had just come up from margate where he was staying with his family was standing at the top of his own staircase as the pair ascended he politely took them inside is there a comfortable room in which this young lady can sit during our interview 
said Miss Aldercliffe. It was rather a favourite habit of hers to make much of Cytheria when they were out, and snub her for it afterwards when they got home. Certainly, Mr. Tailings, Cytheria was shown into an inner room. Social definitions are all made relatively. An absolute datum is only imagined. The small gentry about Knapwater seemed unpractised to Miss Aldercliffe. Miss Aldercliffe herself seemed unpractised to Mr. Nidleton's experienced old eyes. Now then, the lady said, when she was alone with the lawyer, what is the result of our advertisement? It was late summer, the estate agency, building, engineering, and surveying worlds were dull. There were forty-five replies to the advertisement. Mr. Nidleton spread them one by one before Miss Aldercliffe. "'You will probably like to read some of them yourself, madam,' he said. "'Yes, certainly,' said she. "'I will not trouble you with those which are from persons manifestly unfit at first sight,' he continued, and began selecting from the heap twos and threes which he had marked, collecting others into his hand. "'The man we want,' lies among these if my judgment doesn't deceive me and from them it would be advisable to select a certain number to be communicated with i should like to see every one only just to glance them over exactly as they came she said suasively he looked as if he thought this a waste of his time but dismissing his sentiment unfolded each singly and laid it before her as he laid them out it struck him that she studied them quite as rapidly as he could spread them. He slightly glanced up from the outer corner of his eye to hers, and noticed that all she did was look at the name at the bottom of the letter, and then put the enclosure aside without further ceremony. He thought this an odd way of inquiring into the merits of forty-five men, who at considerable trouble gave in detail reasons why they believed themselves well qualified for a certain post. She came to the final one and put it down with the rest. Then the lady said that in her opinion it would be best to get as many replies as they possibly could before selecting, to give us a wider choice. What do you think, Mr. Nidleton? It seemed to him, he said, that a greater number than those they already had would scarcely be necessary, and if they waited for more, there would be this disadvantage attending it, that some of those they now could command would possibly not be available. Never mind, we will run that risk, said Miss Aldercliffe. Let the advertisement be inserted once more, and then we will certainly settle the matter. Mr. Nidleton bowed, and seemed to think Miss Aldercliffe, for a single woman, and one who till so very recently had never concerned herself with business of any kind, a very meddlesome client. But she was rich, and handsome still. She is a new broom in estate management as yet, he thought. She will soon get tired of this, and he parted from her without a sentiment which could mar his habitual blandness. The two ladies then proceeded westward, dismissing the cab in Waterloo Place. They went along Pall Mall on foot, where in place of the usual well-dressed clubbists, 
rubicund with alcohol were to be seen in linen pinafores flocks of house-painters pallid from white lead when they had reached the green park cytheria proposed that they should sit down a while under the young elms at the brow of the hill this they did the growl of piccadilly on their left hand the monastic seclusion of the palace on their right before them the clock tower of the houses of parliament standing forth with a metallic lustre against a livid lambeth sky miss aldercliffe still carried in her hand a copy of the newspaper and while cytheria had been interesting herself in the picture around glanced again at the advertisement she heaved a slight sigh and began to fold it up again in the action her eye caught sight of two consecutive advertisements on the cover one relating to some lecture on art and addressed to members of the institute of architects the other emanated from the same source but was addressed to the public and stated that the exhibition of drawings at the institute's rooms would close at the end of that week her eye lighted up she sent cytheria back to the hotel in a cab then turned round by piccadilly into bond street and proceeded to the rooms of the institute the secretary was sitting in the lobby after making her payment and looking at a few of the drawings on the walls in a company of three gentlemen the only other visitors to the exhibition she turned back and asked if she might be allowed to see a list of the members she was a little connected with the architectural world she said with a smile and was interested in some of the names here it is madam he replied politely handing her a pamphlet containing the names miss aldercliffe turned the leaves till she came to the letter m the name she hoped to find there was there with the address appended as was the case with all the rest the address was at some chambers in a street not far from charing cross chambers as a residence had always been assumed by the lady to imply the condition of a bachelor she murmured two words there still another request had yet to be made but it was of a more noticeable kind than the first and might compromise the secrecy with which she wished to act throughout this episode her object was to get one of the envelopes lying on the secretary's table stamped with the die of the institute and in order to get it she was about to ask if she might write a note but the secretary's back chanced to be turned and he now went towards one of the men at the other end of the room who had called him to ask some question relating to an etching on the wall quick as thought miss aldercliffe stood before the table slipped her hand behind her took one of the envelopes and put it in her pocket she sauntered round the rooms for two or three minutes longer then withdrew and returned to her hotel here she cut the knapwater advertisement from the paper put it into the envelope she had stolen embossed with the society's stamp and directed it in a round clerkly hand to the address she had seen in the list of members names submitted to her aeneas manston esq wickham chambers spring gardens this ended her first day's work in london four 
from august the twenty sixth to september the first the two cytherias continued at the westminster hotel miss aldercliffe informing her companion that business would detain them in london another week the days passed as slowly and quietly as days can pass in a city at that time of the year the shuttered windows about the squares and terraces confronting their eyes like the white and sightless orbs of blind men on thursday mr nyttleton called bringing the whole number of replies to the advertisement cytheria was present at the interview by miss aldercliffe's request either from whim or design ten additional letters were the result of the second week's insertion making fifty-five in all miss aldercliffe looked them over as before one was signed aeneas manston one thirty three turngate street liverpool now then mr nyttleton will you make a selection and i will add one or two miss aldercliffe said mr nyttleton scanned the whole heap of letters testimonials and references sorting them into two heaps manston's missive after a mere glance was thrown amongst the summarily rejected ones miss aldercliffe read or pretended to read after the lawyer when he had finished five lay in the group he had selected would you like to add to the number he said turning to the lady no she said carelessly well two or three additional ones rather took my fancy she added searching for some in the larger collection she drew out three one was manston's these eight then shall be communicated with said the lawyer taking up the eight letters and placing them by themselves they stood up if i myself miss aldercliffe were only concerned personally he said in an off-hand way and holding up a letter singly i should choose this man unhesitatingly he writes honestly and is not afraid to name what he does not consider himself well acquainted with a rare thing to find in answers to advertisements he is well recommended and possesses some qualities rarely found in combination oddly enough he is not really a steward he was bred a farmer studied building affairs served on an estate for some time then went with an architect and is now well qualified as architect estate agent and surveyor that man is sure to have a fine head for a manner like yours he tapped the letter as he spoke yes i should choose him without hesitation speaking personally and i think she said artificially i should choose this one as a matter of mere personal whim which of course can be given way to when practical questions have to be considered cytheria after looking out of the window and then at the newspapers had become interested in the proceedings between the clever miss aldercliffe and the keen old lawyer which reminded her of a game at cards she looked inquiringly at the two letters one in miss aldercliffe's hand the other in mr nyttleton's what's the name of your man said miss aldercliffe his name said the lawyer looking down the page what is his name it is edward springrove miss aldercliffe glanced towards cytheria 
who was getting red and pale by turns she looked imploringly at miss aldercliffe the name of my man said miss aldercliffe looking at her letter in turn is i think yes aeneas manston five september the third the next morning but one was appointed for the interviews which were to be at the lawyer's offices mr nyttleton and mr tailing were both in town for the day and the candidates were admitted one by one into a private room in the window recess was seated miss aldercliffe wearing her veil down the lawyer had in his letters to the selected number timed each candidate at an interval of ten or fifteen minutes from those preceding and following they were shown in as they arrived and had short conversations with mr nyttleton terse and to the point miss aldercliffe neither moved nor spoke during this proceeding it might have been supposed that she was quite unmindful of it had it not been for what was revealed by a keen penetration of the veil covering her countenance the rays from two bright black eyes directed towards the lawyer and his interlocutor springgrove came fifth manston seventh when the examination of all was ended and the last man had retired nyttleton again as at the formal time blandly asked his client which of the eight she personally preferred i still think the fifth we spoke to springgrove the man whose letter i pounced upon at first to be by far the best qualified in short most suitable generally i'm sorry to say that i differ from you i lean to my first notion still that mr mr manston is most desirable in tone and bearing and even specifically i think he would suit me best in the long run mr nyttleton looked out of the window at the whitened wall of the court of course madam your opinion may be perfectly sound and reliable a sort of instinct i know often leads ladies by a short cut to conclusions truer than those come to by men after laborious roundabout calculations based on long experience i must say i shouldn't recommend him why pray well let us look first at his letter of answer to the advertisement he didn't reply to the last insertion that's one thing his letter is bold and frank in tone so bold and frank that the second thought after reading it is that not honesty but unscrupulousness of conscience dictated it it is written in an indifferent mood as if he felt that he was humbugging us in his statement that he was the right man for such an office that he tried hard to get it only as a matter of form which required that he should neglect no opportunity that came in his way you may be right mr nyttleton but i don't quite see the grounds of your reasoning he has been as you perceive almost entirely used to the office duties of a city architect the experience we don't want you want a man whose acquaintance with rural landed properties is more practical and closer somebody who if he has not filled exactly such an office before has lived a country life knows the ins and outs of country tenancies building farming and so on 
He's by far the most intellectual-looking of them all. Yes, he may be. Your opinion, Miss Aldercliffe, is worth more than mine in that matter. And more than you say, he is a man of parts. His brain power would soon enable him to master details and fit him for the post. I don't much doubt that. But to speak clearly, here his words started off at a jog-trot. I wouldn't run the risk of placing the management of an estate of mine in his hands on any account whatever. There, that's flat and plain, madam. But definitely, she said, with a show of impatience, what is your reason? He is a voluptuary with activity, which is a very bad form of man, as bad as it is rare. Oh, thank you for your explicit statement, Mr. Nittleton said Miss Aldercliffe, staring a little and flushing with displeasure. Mr. Nittleton nodded slightly, as a sort of neutral motion, simply signifying a receipt of the information, good or bad. And I really think it is hardly worth while to trouble you further in this, continued the lady. He's quite good enough for a little insignificant place like mine at Knapwater, and I know that I could not get on with one of the others for a single month. We'll try him. Certainly, Miss Aldercliffe, said the lawyer. And Mr. Manston was written to, to the effect that he was the successful competitor. Did you see how unmistakably her temper was getting the better of her that minute you were in the room? said Nittleton to Tailing, when their client had left the house. Nittleton was a man who surveyed everybody's character in a sunless and shadowless northern light. A culpable slightness, which marked him as a boy, had been moulded by time, the improver, into honourable circumspection. We frequently find that the quality which, conjoined with the simplicity of the child, is vice. It's virtue when it pervades the knowledge of the man. She was as near as dammit to boiling over when I added up her man, continued Nittleton. His handsome face is his qualification in her eyes. They have met before, I saw that. He didn't seem conscious of it, said the junior. He didn't. That was rather puzzling to me. But still, if ever a woman's face spoke out plainly that she was in love with a man, hers did that she was with him. Poor old maid, she's almost old enough to be his mother. If that Manston's a schemer, he'll marry her, as sure as I am Nittleton. Let's hope he's honest, however. I don't think she's in love with him, said Tailing. He has seen but little of the pair, and yet he could not reconcile what he had noticed in Miss Aldercliffe's behaviour with the idea that it was the bearing of a woman towards her lover. Well, your experience of the fiery phenomena is more recent than mine, rejoined Nittleton carelessly, and you may remember the nature of it best. End of chapter 7 Recording by Shi Pingning